Alex, here we go. We got the top six answers on the board. Name something that gets passed around. Chris. A joint. A joint. <laughs> people you thought we were talking to at some nice little mall across good old America, but I'm pretty sure the people didn't tell the survey people, hey, an illegal drug. Let's turn around and see how many weed heads are out there with Chris. A joint! when you know we're going to hell. Okay, Tracy, only four answers top it, so. The collection played at church. Now she's got the halo and I got the horns. <laughs> I like, the, I, like, I like the way you tried to stop us from going to hell. That's, you, Mr. You Evil Boy, passing, passing around the little thing with this funny smell. Looking for some saving here. Church place. Oh. It's, it's less than the joint. This is not good. What can you say? In our world and in our culture, things are kind of blurred, aren't they? Things that are right and wrong sometimes get kind of blurred. Uh, twice as many people mention passing a joint as the collection plate. In terms of the things that are good for us and bad for us, that's blurred. In terms of things that lead us towards the light and towards darkness, all that stuff gets kind of blurred. And we see it every day, don't we? Have you seen the bumper sticker, Coexist? Not exactly the bumper sticker, but, you know, you, you've seen this, and this kind of tells you different things. There's Islam and Buddhism and science and Judaism, paganism, Wiccan, and Christianity. And the term coexist means that everything, you know, gets along. Everything's equally good. Everything's equally valuable. Everything's equally helpful. You know, all of those things are just kind of on a level playing field. And if you're a Christian... You kind of have a sense that Christ is really the most important thing, and some of those other things are, are really kind of counter to Christ. See those bumper stickers, and you see this? It's, again, kind of a blurring of what we believe to be true. And then there's this young lady, Miley Cyrus, used to be on uh, Hannah Montana, and very pretty in the picture there. She's got cross jewelry on, on her necklace and her earring. And if you happen to see the... Uh, MTV Music Video Awards or heard about it last Sunday night, she traded in this kind of look of pretty for this. The ridiculous bear outfit on that she then took off and pranced around seemingly in her underwear doing obscene things with another man on stage. And so you could say her view of what's nice and pretty and appropriate has been blurred. And that's not all. If you looked at uh, movies from the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and TV from the 50s, whenever men and women were shown in the bedroom, they were shown in separate beds. 
And nowadays, I know that I don't have to, you know, you don't have to go very far in your imagination or memory to see now on television, you know, all sorts of things are going on. And so when did this take place? When did this blurring of things that are right and wrong, and when did this blurring of things that are good for us and things that are bad for us, when did this blurring of things that lead us into the light and things that lead us into the darkness, when did this blurring occur? Well, you might be surprised to find that it started in the very beginning. In Genesis 3, 1 through 5, in the message version, we read this. The serpent was clever. What does the word clever mean? Well, clever is an adjective that means skilled at doing or achieving something. So what was the serpent skilled at doing? Well, basically, he was skilled at blurring things. It's not like he took things away so you couldn't see them, but he just kind of didn't want you to see them really in the true light. And so he was very good at at blurring right from wrong, good from bad, light from darkness. And in fact, he was not just clever, but he was the most clever. Again, it just kind of blurring, so you can't really read, you can't really see what it is that he's got your attention on. And so as we continue, the serpent was clever, more clever than any of the wild animals God had made. And that means he's really more clever than about anything, because how clever is a rock? How clever is a tree? Basically, you have to have some sort of animate life to be clever. And so he was more clever than any of the animate life that God made. And he spoke to the woman. You see, that's just what he does. And who is he? Well, the serpent was really a forerunner of Satan, the devil, the evil one, the deceiver. And you see, that's what he does. He speaks to us, not like, hey, Bill, but he's, he whispers in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds. And he whispers, and that conversation is in the most intimate places of our lives, deep within. And here's part of his strategy. He spoke to the woman and said, do I understand? Now, typically if somebody says to you, do I understand, what are they, what are they aiming for? Understanding. They want to clarify. They want to make things clear. Not him, though. He just kind of blurs what understanding is about. And so he said to the woman, do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? And you see, that's the prime part of the strategy, questioning. He wants to get you questioning, but he doesn't want you to question so you see things as they really are, but he wants you to question in a way that he can, he can blur you, he can distract you. And so the woman here was doing great, doing awesome. She said to him, we can eat from the trees in the garden. It's, not only, uh, it's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said you can't eat from it. Don't even touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you won't die. He said it. It was out there. It wasn't like he wanted to, you know, not to think about it. But what did he want to do? He wanted to blur her vision of it so that it was there, but she wouldn't see it as it really, really was. God knows that the moment you eat from the tree, the serpent said, the moment you eat from the tree, you'll see what's really going on. Did he want her to see what was really going on? No. So what did he do? He kind of blurred what might really be going on. And he said to her, you'll be just like God, knowing everything. Did he really want her to know everything? No. He wanted to blur that knowing of everything. And you see the three things or the serpent said to woman here, you won't die. You'll get to see what's really going on and you'll know everything. It's not true. See, what he wanted to do was to blur all those things. But he, he didn't want her to see those things. And it's very much, have you ever seen a redacted copy of something? You know, where they kind of cross out certain words and things like that. And you're like, oh, I can still read it. I can still make it out. And so when we look at this and we read sort of the redacted copy that the serpent wanted the woman to see, he told the woman, you, we can't really see what he's saying there. 
God knows that the moment you eat from the tree, you'll see what's... And then again, you can't really see what's going on there. You'll be just like God, and then this is how he explains it, in a way that we can't really see what's going on. You see, that's what he's good at. That's what he's clever at. He's, he's clever at blurring all the things in our lives. Not that he takes them away and that they just disappear. They're still there, but they're just cloudy or foggy. And that's what he does. Let's look in the Bible at some other spots we see this. Jonah 1, 1 through 3 in the message says this. God's word came to Jonah. Up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh, preach to them. <laughs> but look at this. But Jonah got up and went the other direction, running away from God. Let me ask you this. What happened right there? Jonah got blurred. Because can you run away from God? Not really. But he was trying. He went down to the port and he found a ship and he paid the fare and he went on board, joining those going to Tarshish as far away from God as he could get. And so what is the thing that caused Jonah to do this? It's down there in the left uh, corner of the screen. Can you read that? No, that's right. It's blurred. Uh, let's see. It's disobedience. You see, disobedience, in a sense, when, whether Jonah was doing it or anyone else was doing it, is running away from God. That's what disobedience is. But as we've said, is it possible to run away from God? He was hoping to get as far away from God as he could get. How far is that? About this far. <laughs> it's possible, but see, he was blurred. Satan had tricked him there. We also see in Matthew's 26th chapter, in verses 14 through 16, in the New Living Translation, then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest and asked, how much will you pay me to get Jesus into your hands? At that very moment, what happened with Judas? He, too, was blurred. And so they gave him 30 silver coins. And from that time on, Judas watched for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Now, what was the thing that blurred Judas here? Well, it's in the lower left-hand corner there. See it? Well, it's hard to read it, and it's blurred. It's all about me. We could say greed, or we could say selfishness, but basically those are just about me. Because whenever it's all about me, who is it not about? What is it not about? It's not about anything else or anyone else. Yet, what does our culture say to us? You know, if you were driving this car, how would everybody look at you? If you had these clothes, what would that say about you? Yeah, it's just over and over again. All advertising just kind of says, it's about you, it's about you, it's about you. But we see here with Judas that it's not. And so what happens is when it's about us, we really do betray Jesus. We betray who he is. We also see in Matthew's 26th chapter, 33 through 35, in the NIV this. Peter declared, even if everybody else deserts you, I never will desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And so what's going on here? What's Peter's motivation here? Look again in the bottom left hand of the screen. There it is. Determination. You know, nothing clouded here, nothing blurred here. Determination in capital letters with three exclamation points. We're determined. And I think, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I look back at um, the Garden of Eden, I said, you know, if God was like walking around talking to me, and God said, you can have all this, everything here, 
It's all yours, and all you do is hang out with it all day. I mean, imagine just hanging out in the Garden of Eden. Just one thing. That one tree right there. Don't eat that. Don't touch that, okay? I don't know about you guys, but I would have been like, cool, this is awesome, thank you. When the serpent came up and said, hey, why don't you eat from that tree? I'm thinking, no, no way, man, it's too good. Of course, I wasn't there. And the truth is, if I was, I probably would have done the same thing. But then, too, you look at Judas and you say, hanging out with Jesus, walking around with Jesus for three years, seeing the miracles, seeing all that stuff happen, and then selling him out? I don't get I don't think I would have done that. Maybe I would have been one of the other 11. Your determination, it's great. But determination is not just enough. It's never enough. Because we see with Peter in Mark's 14th chapter, verses 66 through 72 in the New Century Version, that a servant girl of the high priest said, you also are with Jesus, that man from Nazareth. Peter said that he was never with Jesus. And so you know what happened at that moment in his life again. He was blurred. Again, she said to the people who were standing nearby, this man is one of those who followed Jesus. Again, Peter said that it was not true. And he got even further blurred. And some people were standing near Peter saying, surely you're one of those who followed Jesus. Then Peter began to place a curse on himself and swear, I don't know this man. Now, what's a curse? It means that something bad's going to happen to you. Okay? It's kind of like a, uh, you know, a, a declaration of something bad happening so he kind of did this to himself and then peter remembered that jesus had told him you will say three times that you don't know me and then peter lost control of himself and began to cry what was peter's motivation here for becoming blurred it was fear it was fear peter was afraid he was afraid for his life and you see whenever we are afraid and not just like you know like boo startled afraid but really afraid afraid deep inside afraid of something that that really is close to our heart something that that genuinely frightens us and you usually don't talk about it we usually don't tell other people about it but when we are afraid of those things it is like we kind of place sort of a a curse on ourselves that things aren't going to go well when you're really afraid things can't go well in your life you're you're blurred by that. You really have a loss of control. And when you look back on times like that, you really do want to cry. But let me say, more than just Peter, or more than, than Judas, or Jonah, or Adam and Eve, many people in the Bible experience this blurring of what is good and evil and right and wrong and light and dark. In fact, there's one person there that if you've ever thought about this way, would really surprise you. Watch this. All things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. see in Luke's 22nd chapter, verses 39 through 44 in the New Century Version, 
It tells us that Jesus left the city and went to the Mount of Olives, as he often did, and his followers went with him. And when he reached the place, he said to them, pray for strength against temptation. Then Jesus went about a stone throws away from them. He kneeled down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take away this cup of suffering. You see, in that moment, what was Jesus' focus on? Avoiding what he sensed was coming. And in a sense, he was blurred there for a few moments. Even Jesus. Remember, he was fully human. Shortly thereafter, he said, but do what you want, not what I want. And his focus with God came back. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him to strengthen him. Being full of pain, he prayed even harder. His sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. You see, what made the difference in Jesus' life was God. And God sent an angel to strengthen him. And let me say, when we are blurred too, that God wants to strengthen us as well. And we feel weak, we feel overwhelmed. But God is still there. It's Satan's ploy to say, oh, this is the way it is. You've tried this, you've tried that. There's nothing you can ever do. It's just going to always be this way. It's probably going to get worse. But you see, God says, no, that's not the way it is. And so we need to let God strengthen us. In doing that, we realize that he can clarify things for us so much more. He can resource us. He can help us to keep that at bay. Now, look, it says that Jesus prayed even harder. So in other words, once God strengthened with the angel, it doesn't mean that, okay, now you're strengthened, now you're good for life. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that way? We could make a decision one time for Christ, and then all the fruit of the Spirit, all the strength, all the power would be ours, and we wouldn't have to put up with any of that other stuff anymore. But it's not that way. You see, even Jesus, he's, he came through that blurring. He was strengthened. He still had to pray to receive that. And we need to do that as well. So what happens when we're blurred? Philippians 4.13, the Living Bible says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So what does the word everything mean? Uh, you can't, when I ask what a word means, you can't answer with the same thing. What does the word everything mean? Everything. <laughs> All. All encompassing. Well, let me ask you a question. Does everything, does that cover disobedience and the fruit of disobedience in our life? Can that everything through Christ overcome disobedience and the fruit of disobedience in our life? I think it can. Disobedience would be included in everything, wouldn't it? I can overcome everything. I can overcome disobedience and the fruit of disobedience through Christ who gives me strength. Let me ask you another question. Does that everything, does that cover greed and selfishness and me, me, me? Good. <laughs> it definitely overcomes that desire that we would have to be selfish and greedy and it all to be about me. Everything through Christ can overcome that. It's included in that. Let me ask you another question. In terms of fear, when we're afraid, and I don't mean just like, boo, startled. I mean, when we're afraid and that fear grips our hearts and our spirits and our lives, is that everything? Can it overcome that fear and the fruit of fear in our lives? Yes, it absolutely can. Where I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. 
I want to tell you that I had probably one of the worst times of blurring in my life during these last two weeks. Let me show you. See, the first week was great. I was on vacation in Hollywood Beach. And uh, I got to stand up paddleboard and take pictures uh, across Biscayne Bay at downtown Miami. Got to see incredible yachts and waterways. Uh, we steps away from the boardwalk at Hollywood. Got to ride my bike up and down it. Got pizza before I watched movies every day. And right across from it, they were shooting a TV show. It was so beautiful. And so that was a wonderful week. And then I come back and I have this week, week two, in which I had to exercise, had helping hand email one, small group email, leadership team email, helping hand networking on Facebook, update university online portion, of course I teach, make homeless Sunday video, had a crisis phone call, crisis letter, there was sermon concepts, sermon scripture, sermon video, sermon illustration, sermon slides, I had to plan a small group lesson, had a counseling appointment, I had to lead a small group, there was more exercises, picking up clothing donation, I paid the rent in the room, I prepped for the leadership team meeting, I saw a friend about an incarcerated spouse, I prepped for teaching university class. I went to the leadership team meeting. I kept working on the sermon. There was a doctor's appointment. visited mom. I did teach for our university class. There was more exercise. There was helping him email number two. Helping him networking on Facebook. Picked up a phone donation. Got an online meeting. Spoke with the jail chaplain. Was working on the sermon. Making new slides because the new guys were playing. Uh, finished working slides. About 250. I watched the first Gator game. Yay. And I was working, uh, well, you know. Then I had to be here Sunday morning. I couldn't even get it all in. And there, there I was. And like, oh. Seriously, I was on vacation, having the greatest time of my life, and the next week I came back and had to face that stuff. Well, let me say, it was worse than what that picture's like. Man, I was I was overwhelmed. I was freaking out. And all the stuff that I had to do. But you know what? I'm here this morning. You know how I made it this week? With this. I said to myself early in the week, you know what? There's no way I can do all this on my own. And I am just, I'm overwhelmed. But you know what? I can do everything, everything, all those things through Christ who gives me strength. And so I said that Monday morning. And you know what? He took away the blur Monday and helped me get through the things I needed to get through. And then Tuesday morning comes and, you know, I'm right back there again like, oh, God. But you know what? I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And you know what happened Tuesday? Incredible, incredible things happened. And he got me through that day. And when it came to Wednesday, I wasn't blurred anymore. Thursday wasn't blurred anymore. Friday wasn't blurred anymore. I was still doing all that stuff. But I wasn't blurred anymore at all. I was kind of like, actually, this kid. Watch this. Where's Tommy? I thought he was with you. No. Jack. Tommy? Go get him. That kid was me. That kid was me. I'm sitting there facing this week with all these things to do. No, I had no capacity to really do them 
or do them well. It's kind of like I was a little kid in a concert hall with all this in front of me playing chopsticks. Okay, God. And what happened? The master, the master came along and said, keep doing this. But here, I'm going to help. And he surrounded me and he began playing and began providing all the things that I needed to do what I had to do this week. It was awesome. And that's what God does for each of us. He does those things for each of us when we're blurred. For you can do everything, everything through Christ who strengthens you. And I love the way that it's put in the message version. Philippians 4.13 Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything. What does the word anything mean? Now you can say everything. There you go. I can make it through anything, everything in the one who makes me who I am. You see, what this tells us is, it's not just about strength coming and a little layer of strength laying over top of us and helping us do stuff. It's about who we really are inside, who we are in Christ. Because you see, in Christ, God does strengthen us. In Christ, God can get us through anything and everything. But we have to remember who we are. Jeremy Gray has a song that says, Tell me who I am. It's like the scripture says, who I am. And in the song, he says that we have trouble remembering who we are because of all the things that blur our life. And so as you watch this, I want you to listen to the words, but I want you to look at the signs that the people are holding up. Because these signs are things that blur them. Keep them from knowing who they are. Keep them from receiving Christ's strength. So watch this and look at those signs now. My heart is like a stone And I'm running far from home Remind me who I am When I can't receive your love Afraid I'll never be enough Remind me who I am If I'm your all those things, all those things can blur us. All those things can get us focused on all the craziness and not focused on God. We need to remember who we are. You know, some of us may say, I don't matter. I've been rejected. My life doesn't work. Someone used me. I'm so empty. I've cheated on a spouse. I have huge regrets. I'm an addict. I'm a victim. I'm so weak inside. I'm so angry. Those were the signs that people had in that video. But how about you? Where does your blur occur? Think about it for a minute. 
probably something that you maybe have never even shared with anybody else. But you know where your blur occurs. Perhaps for you it's some area of disobedience in your life. Perhaps for you it's something having to do with your, your wanting things or wanting things for yourself. It's about me. It's about selfishness. Maybe some sort of greed. Perhaps for you it could be a fear. The fear so deep down inside of you. It constantly blurs things for you. And if that's you this morning, God wants you to see that that's what the issue is. That's what the issue is. James 1.6 in the Living Bible says, Be sure that your faith is in God alone. See, so often our faith and our confidence is in some skill we have or some position in life that we have or some way that we feel good about ourselves. God wants us to feel good about ourselves. But you know what? Even if you were the greatest at whatever it is you do, if you're the greatest football player in the world or baseball player or you're the greatest businessman or you're the greatest mom, whatever that is, be sure that your faith isn't in that, but in God alone says, do not waver, do not waver. For a person with divided or blurred loyalty is as unsettled as a wave on the sea. It's blown and tossed by the wind. I've been out on the, the sea on my stand-up paddleboard. And let me tell you what, when it's kind of glassy and smooth and nice, a little bit of ripple, it's, it's fun, it's great. But when the waves really start tossing and turning, it's impossible to stand up on the thing. You fall off. <coughs> Then once you fall off, you're like swimming. Hopefully you can catch up with the thing. You see, God doesn't want us swimming around in our lives trying to catch up with things. That The chaos and the blurring just keeps pushing farther and farther away. He wants our faith to be in God alone because you can stand on that. You can stand on the fact that everything through Christ you can do because he gives you strength. That you can make it through anything in your life in the one who makes you who you are. As I entered this week, man, I mean, I, I was standing on that scripture of his strength. You can do the same. I don't care who you are, what's going on in your life. He can help you. Because the worst in life is to be overwhelmed and to be blurred. So stand firm on the promise of God. And make it through everything. Because the one in you makes you who you are. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, thank you so much this morning for your word. Help each of us to really reflect upon this question. Where does my blur occur? Father, I pray that you would have us to take that question with us this week, like a seed in our lives. I ask, Father, that you would just not let it uh, pass through and drop on the floor, and then we go home and everything's just like it always is. Help us to take that question, where does my blur occur, O oh God? And let God show you that. And let him apply his strength so that you can overcome that. So that you can see more clearly what's going on. Father, in the name and blood of Christ, we stand against the evil one who wants to confuse us. And we stand on your word so that you can clarify who we are. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.